All right, who else is happy that it's raining outside? Yeah, it's a little bit of a riddle. I, I, I remember I, I went to my students on Friday. I kind of became all history teacher on them. And uh, it, it was years ago. I was, remember I was a butcher at a grocery store. And it was a Vietnam vet, and everyone's coming in like, oh, it's raining. My barbecue is going to be rained out. And here he is like the manager of, of the meat department, the butcher department, looking at customers in Newtown, which probably wouldn't go so well. And he's like, good. People are like, what? It's like it's Memorial Day. Yeah, right? It's, this, is, this is not like, you know, Labor Day or even Veterans Day or even Fourth of July. This is a day where we honor those men and women who lost their life defending the nation. Now, there's always, right, there's always joy because there is a joy in what we have. There's a joy that if they were born again, they're in eternal life, right? But come on, the scriptures say, there, right, there's no greater love than one who lays down their life for a brother, right? And here we are, we have people who are laying down their lives. So in a way, are we supposed to be so joyous on, on a Monday? I guess in part, yeah, but there should be a moment of reflection, right? I get to watch Netflix because of a soldier, you know? I get to turn on my propane tank on the barbecue because of a soldier, right? I get to hug my kids because some other parent can't hug a kid now. Scripture talks to us about this. Isaiah 56, start in verse 3. Do not let the son of the foreigner who has joined himself to the Lord speak, saying, The Lord has utterly separated me from his people. Nor let the eunuch say, Here I am a dry tree, for thus says the Lord, to the eunuchs who keep my Sabbaths and choose what pleases me and hold fast my covenant, even to them I will give in my house and within my walls a place and a name. This is, this is powerful. This is powerful on multiple levels. One level, this is one of the few scripture verses in the Older Testament where a prophet, where an Israelite, where a Hebrew, where a Jew, where a descendant of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is thrown out a bone to the Gentiles. The Gentiles. 99.9% .9 of us here. Right? We were lost. We were not a part of the people of God. Serving idols, serving pagans, doing all this kind of stuff. And here we have something. If a foreigner chooses the things of the Lord, it's something very powerful. It says, even to them I will give in my house and within my walls a place and a name. Look at this. Better than. Better than that of sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that shall not be cut off. Right? Sons and daughters are expected to do the things of a from the father. But if you're not a son or daughter, but yet you are following the things of another father, how beautiful it is. There is a certain specialness, and in the kingdom, obviously, there's neither Jew nor Gentile. But in the mind, or rather in the prophetic voice of Isaiah, he's saying something. How amazing it is that foreigners would see the light of God inside of the tribes of Jacob and choose to walk in those ways. And because of that, I'm going to do something, says the Lord. I'm going to make them even better than sons and daughters. But what's very powerful here, it says right here, that I will within my walls, with which walls? I don't know, is it the temple? Is it an earthly kingdom? Or is it the walls in the heavenly Jerusalem? I will place a name. Um, in Hebrew, it is Yad Vashem. A memorial and a name. That's how it's translated. I'm going to give you a new name. And I want to make you a memorial. Memorial day, right? In fact, uh, in, in Jerusalem, still, I, I need, next time I'm in Israel, I need, I need to take someone aside. I don't know if I've ever heard this take. But it's, the, the, the Holocaust Museum is called Yad Vashem. A name and a memorial. A lot of those guys know the Bible a lot better than I do, to be quite honest. I'm like, What's going on here? I mean, this is, this is a scripture verse referring to the foreigners. But yet, there is a declaration that I am going to make a name and memorial. 
And so, yeah, this is the purpose of a memorial day. And I, of course, we're going to get spiritual with this. But, you know, th there is the Lord. Come on, amen. Like, the Lord gives us physical realities to teach us spiritual ones, right? I mean, don't be so, like, not mystical that you, you lose that, right? But then also don't be so mystical that you lose the day and day, right? You've got to wake up and eat breakfast, right? But, yeah, I want to take a moment to think about this. A memorial and a name. Right? 1775, uh, it begins the American Revolution. 25,000 men and women die. That doesn't seem to be so high. I mean, you take a look at other wars, but I mean, the population of the United States, the colonies, is, I mean, I think it was about 3 million. So, I mean, proportionally, it's quite high, right? Uh, the Civil War, 655,000, that is over half a million men, mostly, right, and some women. Uh, now, why is that so high? Because, you know, Americans are fighting Americans, right? Brothers are literally fighting brothers. Cousins are fighting cousins. It's an unbelievable, atrocious war. But the glory of the Lord, right, the battle hymn of the Republic, right, is the truth truth of the gospel is marching on in part by eradication of slavery, although the war was not entirely about that. In the modern period, we get a little bit more specific with our data, right? World War I, 116,516. There's a couple things to say about this. One, America was involved in World War I for about a year. One year. In one year. Pow. 116,516. Now, I'm putting the ones digit, in, ones digit in red. Why? Anyone want to take a, a chance? Why, why, why do I have the ones digit in a different color? Oh, that's cool. I mean, you get like, you know, we can get into some of the, uh, the, the number principles in the, in the scripture, which is pretty cool. But actually, this is to remind you that it's, it's an individual. So many times when we're talking about the data of casualties, we just round up. No, don't round up and don't round down. Like that one's digit, that, that digit in, in red is someone's son, is someone's boyfriend, is someone's husband, right? It's an individual, a person. It's not just some statistic. It's a person. Goes and fights on another shore because our allies are being threatened. No greater love does someone have than laying down their life for another. They weren't attacking us. Like a 2,000-mile moat between us and the crazy place of Europe. World War II, 405,399. Korean War, 36,519, unfortunately known as the Forgotten War. My great uncle died in that war. He's number nine. Receives the Purple Heart of the United States Marine Corps. Goes and saves a bunch of men. Gets shot. It's actually quite moving for me and my family. Uh, because when news came ashore back home, his older, his older brother, my grandfather, was so impacted by his little brother dying. He didn't know how to process it. So he started to drink. Started to become an alcoholic. Started to abuse. And that memory, unfortunately, has worked its way into my bloodline. I'm not talking about the alcoholism, but the effects having a father that is acting that way and then a grandfather that acts that way, right? It changes dynamics before the blood of Jesus, amen? But let's be real. Even with the blood of Jesus, sometimes people have to process, right? They have to learn. They have to rewire their mind because there are memories that we receive. Some of those memories have to be redeemed still. That's part of the spiritual lesson of Memorial Day. We all have memories, They're not going to just disappear. They have to be redeemed. Vietnam War, 58,200 
9. Afghanistan, 2,216. My youngest cousin served there. Fortunately, he survived. I think he drove over two or three different uh, bombs, IEDs. Came back... Uh, Came back a different man. Iraq, 4,497. So, memorial. When we're grilling our burgers, remember. But it's not just a physical remembrance. There are spiritual principles that are here. Let's go to Joshua chapter 4. Joshua chapter 4, verse 1. And it came to pass... When all the people had completely crossed over the Jordan, that the Lord spoke to Joshua, saying, Take for yourselves twelve men from the people, one man from every tribe, and command them, saying, Take for yourselves twelve stones from here, out of the midst of the Jordan, from the place where the priest's feet stood firm. You shall carry them over with you and leave them in the lodging place where you lodge tonight. Then Joshua called the twelve men whom he had appointed from the children of Israel, one man from every tribe. And Joshua said to them, Cross over before the ark of the Lord, your God, into the midst of the Jordan, and each one of you take up a stone on his shoulder, according to the number of the tribes of the children of Israel. That this may be a sign among you. All right, these memorial stones shall be a sign among you. When your children ask in time to come, saying, What do these stones mean to you? Then you shall answer. You shall answer them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord when it crossed over the Jordan. The waters of the Jordan were cut off, and these stones shall be for a memorial to the children of Israel forever. Right? Here we have the, the children of Israel. They need to actually go out of their way and construct memorial stones. Why? So that when your children come of age and your children's children are like, what's so significant? You can point to these memorials and say, this is where the Lord delivered us truly from Egypt and brought us into a promised land. This is when we saw the Lord miraculously part the waters and brought us to the place of our promise. Don't ever forget it. Here are these stones. It's very, very important to create physical, if not really spiritual memorial stones for you. For your children, King David had a book of remembrance where he wrote down the things that the Lord had done for him. And so what are we getting at here? What we're getting at here is, is part of this. Some of us need to go back. Some of us need to go back this Memorial Day. And you need to look at the memorial stones that your forefathers have laid. I want to say this again, physically, spiritually, something. We need to go back to the memorial stones and see the promises, the memories of our forefathers. Because I'm just going to be real with you. Many of us go back to the profane stones. Many of us go back to the profane memories. It seems and appears somehow weirdly in the spirit that the negative memorial stones seem to have such an allure over us. And we go back to those. It's like, why go back to the stones of the Jordan if I can go back to the great stones of Egypt? There's a spiritual principle, people. Come on, anyone else? Like, you know what I'm talking about? Our memories, we have a tendency to go back to the not good ones, the bad ones. But the Lord wants you to say, choose the stones in which you go to. Now, in this nation itself, there are powerful, powerful stones, powerful memories. In fact, it's some of the most powerful memories and memorial stones that have ever been laid in the history of man. With all due respect, New Zealand doesn't have that. Australia doesn't quite have that. But there are a couple nations that really, really, really have this. I mean, come on. 
our first president. A stone, a memorial that he has brought forth is the notion of virtue. The notion of virtue. He could have hung out on a plantation and grown fat in his wealth, but he chose to give it up to fight, right? He could have set himself up to be a demagogue, but he stepped down from office, even though everyone wants him to continue. A lesson, a memorial stone. The harder the conflict, the greater the triumph. That's really nice to be able to say when we're in a heated room in the 21st century. But what happens when you're hanging out in winter at Valley Forge? And all of your men are barefoot, and there's a plague, and there's disease, and it looks like you're going to lose a war. And if he loses a war, right, he's going to be put on a boat, sent to London. You wish. They actually, uh, the, the penalty for treason was being quartered. So, four horses tied to the four limbs. Boom. But the harder the conflict, the greater the triumph. The greater the difficulty, the greater the glory in the name of the Lord. Forty years in wilderness, but I get to go back to a memorial stone and see the miracle working power of the blood. These are the things, man. We are not descendants of weak men and women is what I'm saying. Spiritually, you got the blood of the prophets. In the physical, you got the blood of the forefathers. We are not descendants of a weak people. And we need to go back to those stones and say, I'm not a descendant of a weak person. My country was not formed in a weak place. In times of difficulty, I can falter or I can stand on the promises. Right? That's what we get for Thomas Jefferson. A promise that God himself has orchestrated the rights unto men and women. Right? Political freedom. Human rights. Our forefathers came up with that a couple miles down the road, right? We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they're endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. That's what he's writing when he's sending it to King George. This is why we're leaving. Another one that could be quartered, right? Ben Franklin, the notion of practical wisdom. While we may not be able to control all that happens to us, oh, we can control what happens inside us. Where did he learn that one from? Well, he learned that from his Puritan upbringing. Although he left the church, oh, his grandparents and parents were interceding for him. I believe in here there's a notion of both physical and spiritual freedom. Patrick Henry. We usually know the last line, but we don't know the first part. Is life so dear or peace so sweet as to be purchased at the price of the chains of slavery? Oh, forbid it, almighty God. I know not what course others may take, but as for me, give me liberty or give me death. People. <laughs> we are not descendants of spineless people. Uh-uh. To be a slave, I mean, we can spiritualize. To be a slave unto death? To be a slave unto sin? God forbid. I don't know what my relatives may choose. I don't know what my countrymen may choose. But I know this. I will choose liberty to be found in Jesus than eternal death. But it's a matter of going to the right memorial stones because there's plenty of people out there, even the church will say, oh, you're just a descendant of Adam. Oh, you're just a descendant of Adam. And descendants of Adam, Ben Adam, has been predestined to live in sin. What does Paul say? God forbid. Grace is sufficient, not that we would continue to sin. God forbid that I would trample the cross underfoot. 
For I am dead to sin and raised up in Jesus. But the memorial stones of the world will say, come on, brother. You're trying really hard. You can continue to sin. You're a child of Adam. It's your faulty nature. No. My memorial stone says that I, by the Spirit of God, can be transformed into the image of Christ from glory to glory till I see him face to face. But what stone are you listening to? Fear, anxiety, lust, greed, gluttony, bitterness. You focus on those things which are pure and holy and righteous and good. It's all which stone you go to. We either need to go back to these stones or we need to build them ourselves. I think my personal favorite uh, was this guy. Guy, I don't know if I can call him a guy. Calvin Graham. Calvin Graham. Unbelievable. World War II breaks out. He's 12 years old. Once it breaks out, he shaves every day to try to stimulate the, the growth on his, on his face because he, at 12 years of age, will enlist in the United States Navy. You know, like when, when our 12-year-olds are playing Candy Crush, he's like, I'm going to war. He's 12 years old, and he fools people that he's old enough somehow. He practices talking very deep. He's like, I need to fight. I need to defend liberty from tyranny on planet Earth. What else do I have to do with my life? And he goes on the USS South Dakota, and it's bombed by the Japanese. He takes shrapnel to the front of his face, has three teeth missing, falls three stories into the hole of the deck. He's full of blood and needs stitches. He climbs up at the age of, I think, 13 and saves 30 different grown men. Well, I guess what we learn here is, well, sometimes there are greater things in ourselves. And sometimes it's totally worth risking your present security and future security for something that is bigger and grander and greater than anything that we can come up with. There's something outside of us. There's something so much larger. The plan of an eternal living God. Amen? So, uh, a psychologist by the name of Carl Jung came up with this idea that our brains have this thing called collective consciousness, collective memories. He argued, which a lot of psychology is proving is in fact the way it works, I think this is the spiritual piece, that a lot of what we do are habits, are weird instincts to things, have been literally handed down to us through a collective consciousness of mankind, right? Like something goes to your eyes, you, you bat your eyes, right? You know, um, it's just the random little instincts that we do, or maybe even the habits we do, or maybe even the way that we think the way we do. He argued that it literally could have been handed down to you through the historical record. That the brain encompasses and grabs a hold of these memories and that it's actually shared with your progeny. It's almost like it's, it's built into the brain chemistry and we start to learn and do things. But you're like, why am I doing this? And it could have been an ancestor who knows how long ago. Uh, epidemiology or epigenetics uh, has taken us to the next level, right? Um, we see a lot of this, uh, probably one of the, the best examples of this is uh, through uh, grandparents or great-grandparents that survived the Holocaust. There's a whole study that's being done that when you go through trauma, when you go through trauma, that your DNA is, is altered in a way, and you pass that on. You literally pass that on to your kids. 
So there's a lot of fascinating studies of, of, of children and grandchildren of Holocaust survivors that do things and have certain anxieties and have certain tendencies that there's no real rhyme or reason for that it might be built in due to the trauma of the past. Now, why am I saying this? I'm saying this because I want to be very real with you. There's a lot of people in the church that are still holding on to the old habits. Still holding on to the old bitter feelings of generations ago and instincts that son of Adams have done. But praise the Lord, a new Adam came. And the old Adam was put to death and we are raised up with a new Adam. But you have to go to that memorial stone. You have to remember, 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 remember that. Well, you gravitate to the old ways. The past, the past somehow, whether it's through this collective consciousness, whether it's through this genetic record, or through it's just simply history and stories, or it's through culture, or if it's through your upbringing in your home. The past speaks to us. The past speaks to us not in a new age way. From the past, the great men and women of old have made our present. From our present, we make the future of the world our children shall inhabit. This brings me to one of my favorite movies. Has anyone ever seen can't even call it a movie. It's like visual poetry. A river runs through it. Who's seen it? It's your homework this week. Come on, my eight-year-old and my six-year-old have seen it. It's like three hours long, and they're sitting there watching it. I was pretty impressed. So, the movie. Movies essentially are surrounded around a father and two sons. And now you know why I like this movie so much. It takes place in Montana. The Blackfoot River. Right outside of Missoula. Oh, okay. Anyhow. And so it takes place turn of the century, turn of the, into the, uh, the 20th century. Father is a, uh, a Presbyterian minister and an avid fly fisherman. And he teaches the boys how to fly fish. And one boy kind of follows the right way, and the other brother who's played by Brad Pitt, just is a train wreck, okay? But no matter what's going on in the family, they always can come back to the Blackfoot, and they can go fly fishing. And it's like nothing has ever happened, right? So in this movie, there's all this kind of stuff going on. Obviously, I'm not going to spoil the movie for you in case you watch it. Uh, and at the end of the movie, there's this scene. And in the scene, the older brother who was doing all the right things is fly fishing on the Blackfoot. He's an old man now, and he's reflecting on it all. It's beautiful. Let's take a look. Now nearly all those I loved and did not understand in my youth are dead, even Jesse but I still reach out to them. Of course, now I'm too old to be much of a fisherman. And now I usually fish the big waters alone, although some friends think I shouldn't. But when I am alone in the half-light of the canyon, all existence seems to fade to a being with my soul and memories. And the sounds of the big Blackfoot River and a four-count rhythm, and the hope that a fish will rise. Eventually, all things merge into one, and a river runs through it.
The river was cut by the world's great flood and runs over rocks from the basement of time. On some of the rocks are timeless raindrops. Under the rocks are the words. And some of the words are theirs. I am haunted by waters. Everything, all things merge into one, and a river runs through it. The river was cut by the world's great flood and runs over rocks from the basement of time. On some of the rocks are timeless raindrops. Under the rocks are the words. And some of the words are theirs. I'm haunted by waters. I'm haunted by their words. I'm haunted by their collective memory. You see, in the spirit, some of us are haunted by memories. We're haunted, haunted by the collective consciousness of the sin of Adam. We're haunted by the memories of what people have done to us. We're haunted, and then therefore we are picked, we have picked up wrong attitudes, thoughts, behaviors, habits, instincts. But by your earthly citizenship as an American, you have a collective consciousness of great men and great women that we will honor on Monday. And more importantly, by the blood of the Lamb, you have been adopted into the collective memories of the great men and women faith. By the blood of the Lamb, you have been adopted into the collective memories of the great men and women of faith. Could we have someone come down and get a little music going? That'd be great. While they're doing that, let's turn to Hebrews chapter 12. And for your guests, when I bring the Worship team up, that usually means we have like, what, another 15 minutes, <laughs> 20 minutes, 25. Come on, collective memories of the great men and women of faith. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight. And the sin which so easily ensnares us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Despising the shame and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Come on man. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. Right? This is, this is the, these are the people in heaven that I don't know if they're looking down or what's going on. I don't know the theology behind it. But I know this, that the author of Hebrews is saying, look, there are people, there are memory stones that are in heaven that are looking down. And because we're surrounded by such a plethora of great men and women, let this be a means for us to step into the resurrection of Jesus. And chapter 11, he just goes to town by faith. Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises offered up his only begotten son. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they were encircled for seven days. By faith, the harlot Rahab did not perish with those who did not believe when she had received the spies with peace. Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. Still others had trial of mockings and scourgings, yes, and of chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, they were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and mountains and dens and caves of the earth. And all these, having attained a good testimony through faith, did not receive the promise. All of these men and women of faith 
did all of that and went through all of that, but yet did not receive the promise. God, having provided something better for us, that they should not be made perfect apart from us. This is powerful. These great men of women, they did not get to see the promise of the coming of Jesus, of his resurrection, of the falling of the Holy Ghost that empowers us. But look what they all did. Look what they were able to do without the blood of Jesus. Look what they were able to do without the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. And they're looking down at us. Saying, remember. Remember the right memorial stones. We look at these great men and women. Adam and Eve. What a memorial stone. I know in typical understanding in Christian theology, Adam and Eve, the ones who first sinned, the ones who fell short, is a reminder of sin. It's a reminder of that we have gone astray. It's a reminder that we ate of the apple, we ate of the fruit. But that's one memorial stone. The real Christian message with that is that there is yet another memorial stone that despite all of that, what does God say from the garden? Where are you, Adam? Where does he, what does he say to us now? Where are you? Right? The full memorial stone of Adam and Eve is not that we have just fallen short of the glory and the grace of the Lord, if you will, but rather that despite our falling, God still calls forth from us, even in our shame and even in our sin. Where are you? I want you in relationship. That's the memorial stone that we need to grab a hold of. Come on. The patriarchs. Abraham. Due to his small act of faithfulness, he sh God shall fulfill the covenant with Abraham. Come on. Your small act of faithfulness unto the Lord, he shall fulfill the covenant that he's made with us. Covenant, yes, of redemption, but a covenant, a covenant of transformation. From King David, where we learn that God does not see how men sees. He looks at the heart of men. It doesn't matter about what you do. It doesn't matter about how much money you make. It doesn't matter what kind of educational lack they're of. He looks at the heart of men and women. And even if you sin like King David... Even if you sin and commit adultery, and even if you sin and, and, and you are an accomplice to murder, that with a contrite heart of repentance, he will raise you up. That's a memorial stone that we need to get in us. The prophets, even if all of my nation around me negate God, there's still the full power of the message and the gospel of God. Jeremiah, what is the message? Jeremiah, right? even if the whole nation thinks I'm a crazy man, he knows me. He knows me. He knew me in my mother's womb. Isaiah. A nation rejects the message of Isaiah, but yet he can come to the Lord and say, I am undone before you. Purify my lips. I am undone. Please, I am here. Send me to your people. To my people. John the Baptist, yeah, he gets beheaded. And I may be a crazy man from the wilderness eating locusts, but I've been called to prepare ye the way of the Lord. The apostles, that you and I are bond servants of Christ. Romans 6. Verse 4, therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death. You got to listen to this. You got to process this. For those of you that are struggling with things. Therefore we were buried with him. We were buried with him in Jesus. We were buried with Jesus through the baptism into his death. 
that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in a newness of life. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man, our old man, the old Adam, the old worry, the old memorial stones were crucified with him. That the body of sin might be done away with. That we should no longer be slaves of sin. For he who has died has been freed from sin. Now if we died with Christ, we believe that we should also live with him. Knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Man! What a memorial stone! Jesus. The world rejected him. And they shall reject you. But remember, I am the way, the truth, the life. I have come not just to give you life, but to give you life abundantly. He says, so come to the living waters. Anyone who believes in me may come and drink. The scriptures declare rivers of living water will flow from his heart. So, eventually, all things flow into one. All the stones, the good and the bad, all the people, all the collective consciousness of humanity shall flow into one river, the river of the living streams of Jesus Christ. When that day comes, which side of the river are you on? Have you crossed over? Or do you remain in Egypt? The river was cut by the world's great flood and runs over rocks from the basement of time. Some of the rocks are timeless raindrops. Under the rocks are words, and some of the words are theirs. The rocks. The memorial stones. What are those voices saying? Which river is it a part of? I am haunted by waters. It's almost like I don't even want to put this in the quote. But it's not my quote. Haunted. Such a, ooh. Haunted. He's haunted by the waters. He's haunted by the stories. He's haunted by the voices and the memories and the instincts and the habits. What? And who? What? And who are you haunted by? For I am haunted by a ghost. For I am haunted by a ghost. The Holy Ghost. And he tells me the collective consciousness. He tells me the memory of heaven. Come on, won't we stand? Come on, this Memorial Day, Lord, we want to be haunted in a way. We want to be haunted by waters. Haunted by the waters of the living streams that we shall never thirst again. We want to be haunted by a river that flows out of the mansion in heaven. That gives life, that produces fruit in and out of season. Father, we no longer want to be haunted by the memory stones of the negative things of our past. We want them to be redeemed. Lord, we want to be haunted by the Spirit of God. Lord, we want you to come inside of us in such a way 
That the memories that we have, the identities that we have, are of the great men and women of faith, the great cloud of witnesses. Can the uh, altar team come on down, please? This week's altar team. Come on, if you've got a habit, if you have an instinct, if you have behavior and ways of thinking that has been handed down to you from the sins of men and the sins of women, and those stones, those stones are speaking. Sometimes they speak quietly. And they just manifest by a behavior. They manifest by a thought behavior. It's time. It's time to step into a different river. Come on. It's time to step into a river of living water. Come on. It's time to be haunted by, 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 by living waters of Jesus. Yeah. It's time. It's time to be indwelled by the workings of the Holy Spirit. It's time to take every high thought captive. It's time to take the high thought that we're just sons of Adam and of course we're going to continue to sin. It's time to take that thought captive to lay it down at the feet of Jesus and say, oh, I'm adopting a better way. I'm receiving a better word. I'm going to a different set of memorial stones this Memorial Day. For we are not descendants from spineless men and women who are descendants of the great cloud of witnesses. We are descendants of he who sits on the right hand throne of God interceding, who boldly goes before the throne of grace interceding for us, who says in Ephesians that every spiritual blessing that is in heaven is here for you to be set free. Not to get the bigger house, not to get the bigger job, but to be set free. To be set free. To be baptized in living water. To have your mind purified. To have your habits redeemed. Come on, the new Adam right now. Right now, the new Adam is sitting on the right-hand throne of the eternal Father, interceding for us right now. Right now. Right now. Do you hear this? He who was the Lamb of God, who was slain at the very foundations of earth, right now is interceding on the right-hand throne of the Father for your little habit, for your little instinct. For your little behavior, he's interceding day in and day out to the Father. He's just waiting. He's waiting for the descendants of Adam. He's waiting for the descendants of Eve to come out from the fig leaf. To come out from the fig leaf. I'm naked before you. I'm pure before you. I have nothing to hide. I am here and I'm saying with arms raised high, clothe me, not with a fig, but clothe me with righteousness. Purify me with hyssop. Come with the eternal blood of the Lamb of Jesus and wash me clean. Come on, it's time to get set free. It's time to go back to the River Jordan. Adopt the real appropriate memory stones.
being the sons and daughters. That saves a wretch like me. Oh, Jesus, Jesus. We're just going to invite you to come on down and receive some prayer if you'd like. We're going to be closing out service in a moment, but please, you know, we really want to keep this sanctuary in a place where people can step in and receive from the Lord. So if there's, if there's casual talking, please just head out to the lobby or over to the multi-purpose room where we have our cafe. Before you go, I just... Um, Jonathan has a, a, word of, a word of knowledge, and when he's, when he's done, then then service is, is let go if, if, if you want to just go. If not, please just stay here and bask in the presence. I just, as we were worshiping and just as the service was finishing out, I saw the Lord actually just showed me that somebody here has a pain in the top portion of the neck that shoots down the middle part of your back. So if that's you, we would be honored to pray with you just for a release of that physical pain. And I also felt like the Lord had released something on me specifically. He said, I'm washing the feet I'm washing those who approach us for um, specific for disappointment. I felt like somebody's been walking through a situation where a level of disappointment has been something that's been almost like a rain cloud over your head. So if that's you, we just want to invite you up just to receive prayer from us and uh, for us, uh, allowing us to contend with you. God bless you guys. Have an amazing week.